Blog Talk Radio. Hi everyone, this is Camille from sunny California, and you're listening to the Coffee Chat with Camille show, which is a podcast series that interviews various guests about real life topics for people who love to learn. Everybody, welcome to Coffee Chat with Camille. We have another great topic with an amazing guest. The title of the show is Overcoming Adversity with best-selling author Rhonda Parker. Rhonda Parker is an American writer, entrepreneur, and academic researcher. Born October 18th of 64, 1964, in Noblesville, Indiana, she is the second youngest of five children to Anita and William Parker, founders of a steel factory company. Rhonda Parker was endorsed by best-selling author J.J. Herbert and Golden Globe-nominated actress Muriel Hemingway. Her... Oh, I apologize. One moment. Okay, sorry about that. Um, Rhonda Parker was endorsed by best-selling author J.J. Herbert and Golden Globe-nominated actress Muriel Hemingway. Her novel, Crosswords, is hailed as a captivating crime thriller that keeps readers intrigued from start to finish. She has taught a wide range of business courses at various institutions, including the University of Indianapolis, Oakland City University, National College, and others. As an entrepreneur, Rhonda founded Intelligent Solutions, providing training, development, academic research, and business writing services. She served as campus director, <clears throat> excuse me, and professor of National College and co-directed a small to mid-sized advertising agency named Partnership Plus Design Studio. Outside of her professional endeavors, Rhonda is an avid lover of nature, various, uh, hold on, of nature, enjoying the outdoors, animals, birds, and mountains. <clears throat> Excuse me. She is a music enthusiast with an appreciation for various genres, and she loves cooking for others while exploring different foods and recipes. Overall, Rhonda Parker Taylor is a multi-talented individual who continues to inspire and impact others through her writing, academic achievements, and entrepreneurial ventures, all while embracing life's adventures with her husband and three dogs. Rhonda is simply inspiring. Okay, for you, the audience, she's left a link where you can um, find out more, buy books, and everything. RhondaParkerTaylor.com. <clears throat> Excuse me, it's in the, in the uh, show notes. Okay, and you can purchase uh, purchase links to Amazon, uh, I think. Oh, you can purchase by going to the links on Amazon, Barnes & Nobles, online retailers for the book, specifically Crossroads. Okay? <clears throat> Excuse me, I'm just having one of those days. So... 
let's go ahead and let our wonderful guest into the studio and give her a round of applause. Okay. Hi, Rhonda. Thank you so much. Hi, thank you for having me. I can't wait to have an engaging conversation and and hopefully um, inspire not just your audience, but others to participate in the podcast and see that we can learn from each other through positive acts and sharing our own life stories. Absolutely, absolutely. So let's go ahead, please, and get into the interview so that our listeners can get to know you a lot better. How do you That's find life balance? <laughs> Excuse me, one moment. Okay, so how do you find life balance, or what is your method of finding life balance? Well, I found um, through a variety of game of uncle with life, where you you tr- think you have life balance, you think you have joy, and life kind of hits that. I have to have a practical approach. And in my classes, many a times I have them do the, had them do the exercise of doing goals and purposes, but I found that they most people need a little bit more than just doing a one-year, three-year, five-year goal or even smart goals. So I started doing this exercise with myself where I would spend time reflecting on, okay, what are my goals, not just in my career life, but my personal goals as far as my relationships and my entertainment and maybe travel, all the things that were important to me, and asking myself, where am I spending my time? And in doing that, I found that Each time I did it, whether it be one year, three years, five years, I'd gone through the whole process and starting over again, or whether I was just starting, I learned about myself and and through reflection determined that it was always changing. So what worked five years ago isn't going to work today. One of the reasons is maybe I've accomplished some of the um, life goals. And then other times it's because I changed. Like when we were in the pandemic, it was much different than what it would have, what it would be today. So I go through that process of reflecting on what I'm doing and am I getting joy. So, for instance, if it's television during the pandemic, we all watched more television and more shows and more streaming. But then you learned after that that wait a minute. That's not where I'm getting my full joy. You know, I, my, you know, maybe it's cooking or in my case it's nature and seeing different kinds of animals interact. And so I found that it, through self-awareness, mindfulness, and reflection, I could come up with a plan that helped me in all areas of my life, not just my career which in many times is what we focus on is how am I going to be successful and get this amount of money and this big of a house and this car. But we leave out the self-care, the positive relationship um, steps that we need to be purposeful and live in the moment. So that's what I try to do on a, on a daily basis too. That, you know, I may sit down and do the workbook every 
you know, three to five years and reflect on it throughout those times. But daily, I think we have to kind of put ourselves in that mode. Excellent. Thank you so much. And then what was your journey for writing? Oh, for my writing. Well, I think, I, you know, we all go through things in life. And we all have adversity at times. And uh, my first writing adventure was probably it was in a English class in college. And it, they asked us to write about our first memory. And, you know, it took a long time to even have that first memory, you know, that's actually when we were smaller children. It was the destruction of my pink blanket. And I found that going through that process of writing about how I felt as a small child when my my pink blanket was taken away and going through the description, that I enjoyed it. English and writing wasn't always natural for me because I struggled academically in my younger years and high school years until I found the right mentor and tutor. So once I found that person that believed that I could do it, then I was able to um, find a harmonious um, part of me through writing. So I use writing not only for um, academics, which is what I do for the majority of my life. I do academic research, but I also have telling is an art that in many cases we've lost as a society. You know, we've forgotten that the art of telling a story engages people to go to another world. And I realize that as a small child, even though I may have struggled academically and, and in my high school and younger years, I always had a, when I looked at, at pictures, I always had a book in my hand. And I, and I realized that there was always a draw to it, but I didn't, I didn't like the normal academic books that were selected, the McGuffey readers, the, um, Victory Drill books, the, you know, the um, typical um, English and um, literature books that we read. Instead, I liked things like encyclopedias that taught me about the world. So I, um, I found a freedom in writing to explore different worlds and make them up in my own um, imagination and share them with the world. That's so wonderful. And then what do you recommend to those who want to write? Write. And that sounds so simple and it almost sounds like I'm being coy. But, you know, if you write one page a day, based, which that's, what, 200 words, you're done in a year. So many, and many a times when you sit down to write, you don't um you get on a you know on a on a writing binge and you might be able to do 10 pages in a day and another day you might be only able to do one page so if you create a space for yourself that you can write then you will get it done it's a practice and beginning and ending of the storytelling and don't stop to do the editing you know that 
kills the creativity part of it. You just sit down, and whether it be through, in today's world, it's so much easier because you could sit there and dictate it with a microphone if you wanted to. If you didn't want to sit and type, if you're, you know, want to pace around the room and say it, it'll type it for you. But um, or you can you sit down and type. Just write it, and then go back. You can fix everything else. But and also, I organize at the beginning the main character at least at first and then I do a process of looking at my character like I was getting ready to treat them in a medical in the medical community and in the psychological community so they use when we go in a, with a format called a soap note so soap and um, there's a subjective which is what the patient tells you and there's the objective which is what you actually see and so let's say my my uh, main character Paris. She was a workaholic, and she, you know, she was driven, and she was, um, you know, very into fitness. And so I knew her hair color, I knew how her size, her, you know, I knew, you know, everything from head to toe. I knew that her parents had died when she was young, and and so I was able to go through. And this is what they've told me, and this is what is actually happening when you observe them. Like, for instance, she had anxiety about certain things. And so the, when she was in put, put in those situations, her heart would race and she'd feel a little dizzy. And so I was able to see and put project what my characters were going to do before they even did them in the action. So when I would get stuck or writer's block, I could say, okay, I'm talking about Billy Knuckles right now. And what what's what's happening? Oh, he's getting um, interviewed by the police, and what is he going to do? Well, his history was to you know not say a word, not do this, and and so then I would get unstuck because I already knew my characters. It's almost like you have a friend, and you know how, or a brother, or a sister, or an acquaintance that okay, you know how they're going to act before they even act it out. So right would be the first and most important thing for people to do. And don't give up. Just keep going. Absolutely. Yes, yes. And then uh, give us a synopsis of self-publishing versus traditional publishing. Well, when I first wrote Crossroads, I went the traditional route, and I did the query letters, and I found, you know, someone that was willing to um, publish the book. But, um, and that's a very time-consuming process. And right as we got to the ready to publish, the deal fell through. So the ink hadn't even dry, hadn't even um, dried yet, and they were they were they were ready to to pull out. So. Um, I think the main thing between traditional and self-published, or I actually went into it, what I would call a mix between kind of traditional and self um, with Mindster Media, because what they did is they helped me with the editing at the end, and they helped me, you know, get the book cover, and they did all the self, the, the traditional publishing there. But what they then did is they expanded that to help me do the marketing. Me having my own business, I knew that being a book author was more than just getting the story out. 
if I wanted anybody to read it, I had to market it. So for me, having them market the book was beneficial because, you know, how can I teach my classes? How can I do my mentoring? How can I do these other aspects of my life without and still sell books? So for me, that blended matrix worked real good for me um, to not only get the book out, but also uh, make sure it was done right. Because, you know, a good example for all of those self-publishers out there that are thinking about doing their own book, go for it. it. You know, it's the most rewarding thing that you can do for yourself. But there's little things like, did you know that if you put it on Amazon, unless it's on Ingram Sparks website, no bookstores can order it? Did you know that a no bookstore will order it without um, it being a returnable book? You know, so there's little tips and tips that publisher can help you with. Whereas if you're self-publishing, you have to learn it all on your own. So find what works for you. It doesn't matter which route you go. It's whether you have the time and the energy um, to do it yourself or do you feel like you could, you know, dedicate certain dollars for a marketer, you know, maybe you can do the self-publishing. Maybe you know everything about putting it out there, you know, get, making your spine, the spine of the book correct and, and getting it out there so it looks like a, a high-quality book, but maybe you don't have the time to do the marketing that it will take for it to sell. So you have to kind of evaluate what's best for your present scenario um, to make sure you pick the right one for you. Yes, yes, excellent. And then what are your suggestions to leadership? For leadership? Yes. Be, uh-huh. yes. be um, empathetic. Meet your people where they're at. So many times I see programs when I'm um, mentoring or going through and doing uh, my consulting where the leadership have come up with programs and then you look at them and it's all about the organization. They've forgotten to put the we in it or realize, wait a minute, half of my population is taking Ubers, you know, or my employees is taking Ubers to to work or may not have the proper um food or maybe, you know, inflation is going you is higher or maybe you just run into someone that, you know, has had a death in, in the family. Show some empathy of where people are at. They can't go to Ruth Chris to eat a steak for a reward if they can't pay the tip or if they can't feel comfortable in that environment. You know, pick things that motivate individuals that feed their soul and realize that you are thinking about them. Give them a, a, a special holiday that's about them. Let them take their birthday off. You know, there's so many simple things that don't cost a lot, and it's not changing the whole way that organizations thrive, that you can celebrate the employees without and motivate them to realize that you care about them without changing everything in the know who know their name 
Know the employees' names. Now, if you're in a large multinational leader um, role where you're going from plant to plant or organization to organization, maybe you can't know everybody's name, but you can still acknowledge them. And so I would say for leadership, um, be proud of people's achievements and their contribution and reward it in a manner that meets where they are. Think of Maslow's Law of uh, the hierarchy of needs and where is your employee or employees at in that matrix before you reward them. Beautiful, beautiful. Can you please tell me or tell us about your book? Sure, I would love to. So Crossroads is a suspense novel. What um, motivated me to take on the task of Crossroads is I had been working in Indianapolis in a community service project that overlooked the um, the court systems and crime. And so it's a crime novel, and it does take place in Indianapolis. So the year is 1982. The main character is Paris Pennington, and she works in the downtown Indianapolis area. She feels like she's got everything going for her. She's in finance. She, you know, she's just a hard worker. Kind of a core value of the Midwest is, you know, you work hard and, you know, everything, you, you have grit. And so she has all those characteristics, and she gets called to jury duty. And just like all of us, when we're busy and we're trying to thrive and you throw another task on them, things start to crumble around her as she's sitting in the courtrooms courtroom and she's dealing with the um, the trial evidence of a murder of a 15-year-old girl, starts evaluating where she is because she has no time, personal time for herself. She's got work on her, on her brain and she has all these things going on and then everybody around her starts getting sick and dying. And she doesn't understand why. The police are trying to figure out if it's because of the trial. And, you know, they start, you know, evaluating what's going on. And what the book does is it really focuses on three emotions that really are destructive emotions. And that is um, anger, fury, and jealousy. And in Proverbs it says, anger is cruel. And fury is overwhelming, but who can stand before jealousy? And in the book, each one of the characters goes through some of those emotions at some point. And then if you go further into Proverbs, it says, envy makes the bones rot. And what I wanted people to do after they read it is not only enjoy the screed page turner that allows people to explore those emotions as you know the person on trial has an outburst and this person has um jealousy issues and and you see how people are overwhelmed with all the evidence but i want them to come out and say okay who can i trust in my life who am am i taking on another person's persona because when we're envious of somebody else, whether it be a person in our job or whether it be, you know, a sibling or a neighbor, and we start looking at how 
wonderful their lives are, then guess what? We're not looking at how wonderful our lives are or how wonderful we are as people. So it takes away, it does, it makes our, it destroys those relationships and it destroys the person that's envious and the person that's the victim of the, of the people being envious of. So I'm hoping that as people walk away from it, they not only just enjoy it, but they realize, oh, wait a minute, this is something that we really, as a society, especially with us all being on social media and we have all these beautiful faces and high-powered you know, leaderships and all these messages about how we're just not there, we're just not good enough, that we'll realize, hey, you know what? We are. We're all individual and uniquely made. So that's what the book's about. It's definitely a suspense page turner, but it's also it, it's exploring those three um, emotions. And I hope that people, when they get done reading it, realizes that you know, as a society, we can be better. Absolutely. Thank you so much. And at what age did you realize your fascination with books? When did you start? Well, I would say if you'd asked me that question before before my my dad had passed away, I would have said, you know, it probably started in young adulthood because I, you know, that's when I read started reading so much, you know, like book after book after book after book. But then when I when he, after he had passed and we were going through boxes of pictures and. And I was seeing all the all the different times that there was a book a picture of me, even like very small, maybe two, three years old, running around with a book in my hand. So I had to think, wait a minute, I've always had a joy, but I think it comes from the storytelling. I like a good story. I like to listen to people that can tell um, good stories. My grandfather was one of the best storytellers. He could make me feel like I wanted to be, live in the Depression at times and who really would want to live in the depression times but he made it sound like it was a triumph for every success that you made and I think that that's what kind of geared me towards writing if someone would say oh you were going to be an author when you're when you're when you're grown I probably never would have uh, you know thought I would have I probably would have thought I was going to be a bit. Well, actually, I know what I thought I was going to be. I thought I was going to be in business and probably in politics. And then, you know, my dad always wanted me to become a lawyer. And I said, no, I'll, we'll end up in the judges' chambers. I'll end up with another lawyer just like you on the other side. And we'd be in there arguing all the time. So I, I, I thought my world would be more... Um, I would say more affluential maybe is the word, you know, but I really find that that's why I, I, I tell people, be who you are. I am so happy when I'm writing and I'm fulfilled. So me being a lawyer would not have fulfilled me like that. So I, it's, it's been a, a journey for me to understand that who I am what I enjoy, what makes me happy, and also what I want to be known for. I want to be known for being able to to reach the the reader and make them feel 
something and help them understand life through a different perspective. Absolutely. Thank you. What is the lesson of your book and what was your journey to excellence? The lesson of my book is um, envy makes the bones rot. Um, I think that the lesson there is so important for us not to compare ourselves to others um, and, and stop taking away our joy enjoy where we're at and it's not that that you can't be um motivated for more in your life that's not what i'm saying but when we compare ourselves we belittle ourselves um as far as the part of the question which i think i i'm what was the the second part of your question yeah (laughs) (laughs) okay no worries Um, what was your journey to excellence Oh, journey to excellence. It was trial and error. You know, I, um, I, like I said, academically, I was not strong all the way through my high school years, even until I met a tutor, had a tutor. And I, I realized that, you know, I had some learning challenges and then I was able to, once, once I got on track, you know, I was able to get my, my bachelor's, my master's and my doctorate. And I had to realize to accept those and, those challenges and seek inspiration through activities that blocked me from being um, successful. So one of them, for instance, is my, my older brother, he was the smart one. You know, he was always known as the smart one in our family. You could give him a math equation. He could do it in his brain. And, and I never wanted to compete like that. So one day my sister said, what's stopping you, especially in my, at my author journey, what's stopping you? And I said, well, you know, I got this book, the books are sitting on my desk and I don't know. I just don't, don't have the time. She said, what are you afraid of? And I had to really think about that. What was I afraid of? The book was done. It didn't sit on my desk. I had a printed copy. I had it saved in 10 different places so I wouldn't lose it. And she said, time to make yourself vulnerable to the world. And then I realized, wait a minute, she's right. You know, I had to make myself vulnerable. For me to make myself vulnerable was the only way I was going to have any kind of success. I had to let go of the fear. And so my journey to excellence in, in that way is making myself vulnerable, saying, you know what, let's have a good chat about it. You know, let's let's talk about the book. Let's talk about the journey. Let's, you know, um, I'm not perfect. My way isn't for every everybody. But you know what, I do have something that people can learn from. That's wonderful, thought-provoking. And then how do you overcome adversity? And this is actually our last question of the formal interview. Okay, that's fine. Um, well, I would have to say, and you're going to laugh at this. I, I promise you, you will. I, I like the version of Frosty the Snowman and Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer Deer and Santa Claus is Coming to Town. There's a song in there that always comes to my brain. And it's, mm-hmm. put one foot in front of the other. 
and, and then it tells that then you'll be walking out the door. Well, you know, I've had a lot of adversity. We all have a lot of adversity in our, our lives. There's not anybody that's not touched by adversity. But I've had deaths, and I've had, you know, car accidents, and I've had challenges with, you know, with academics. And we've all, you know, we've all had something. I mean, mine go from minimal to, you know, my son being shot and killed. So, you know, you've got a very large array of adversity that people can, they, a person can go through. And you have to realize that in that adversity, you, you have to stay disciplined still to keeping you together and finding the lessons learned to learn. learn. So that song, and it, it sounds funny that, you know, that can bring some joy or bring some thought into adversity, but really that's how adversity is. You put one foot in front of the other and eventually it's not as as bad as it was. You know, you, you've got to get across the floor and, you know, and to another place for it, for you to thrive again and for you to deal with it emotionally or, and so literally that little jingle comes through my, my brain. And I think of all the times that we, we hear it, we heard it as children and we didn't, you know, realize that the inner peace and well-being comes from being able to to accomplish that. Yes. Thank you so very much for this very impactful and magnificent interview. And I would um, also like to just ask you what your favorite coffee and or hot beverage is. Okay, so I'm a coffee drinker. I I can't function unless I have at least two in the morning. So coffee is definitely the warm drink of the day. And yes, but, you yes. know, I'm kind of foo-foo. I, so I have to have it blonde uh-huh. and sweet. So it's French vanilla. <laughs> Yes, yes. <laughs> with a, just a just a little bit of sugar because you know that French vanilla is already going to have some sugar Sweet. in it and yeah. to make it light. But it's got it, and it's so I go with just a tad bit of sugar or sweetener in it. But it's got to be blonde and sweet. It can't be dark and and rugged. <laughs> got it, got it. Thank you so much. And then, Miss um, Rhonda Parker. Before Excuse me, Rhonda Parker Taylor. Uh, before you leave us, could you please let our audience and our listeners know what your social media handles are? Oh, I would love to. So come, come visit with me. It's uh, my website's Rhonda Parker Taylor. Rhonda's with an H, R H O N D A Parker P A R K E R Taylor P A Y L O R dot com, and then all the social medias are are under the same name, Rhonda Parker Taylor dot com or Rhonda Parker Taylor on Facebook and I'm on Instagram, Twitter. Um, I'm learning TikTok now. That's a that's a new one for me. Um, but I yes. and then I also have YouTube. <laughs> all of the, you know, all of them have their own little flavor. So I'm still learning on some of them. I'm a, I'm an old school dinosaur, but hey, we're, we're I try to engage. If you if you shoot shoot me a you know a message, give me a little grace if it takes me a, a second to you know, respond, but I I would love to hear what you thought of the show. Um, Thank you for supporting the show. I know that, you know, podcasts are are, our lifeline for all of us to learn from each other. And um, then the book is on Amazon and Barnes & Noble, BAM, all the stores. Yes. 
Okay, thank you so, so again. Thank you again, again, again. Thank you, Rhonda Parker, so much. This is Rhonda Parker, the American writer, entrepreneur, and academic researcher, and a massive inspiration to us all. Thank you again for being on Coffee Chat with Camille, Rhonda. Goodbye for now. Thank you, Camille. Thank you. Have a wonderful day. Same to you. Thank you. (laughs) Bye-bye. Wonderful. Thank you. Bye-bye. Okay, so that is it for today. We actually have uh, six minutes left of our show. And, um, again, I do want to go ahead and uh, let you know that you can find uh, um, or find Rhonda's uh, website at Rhonda, as she said, spelled with R-H, excuse me, with an R-H, O-N-D-A, ParkerTaylor.com. Okay, it's a beautiful website, and I'm there right now. You can sign up and be on her email list, okay? And um, I do hope that from Rhonda's um, magnificent interview and my other two guests that I had on earlier, um, that this podcast does bring you some joy and inspiration in your life. Um, I know as she had spoken so eloquently about adversity, and it's true, part of our lives, and in part, our lives presents us out of nowhere different types of adversity. And so we need to uplift one another as much as possible um, and support one another, right? Let's uh, just keep that going and loving on one another. All right, I love you. Thank you all so much for listening to Coffee Chat with Camille. Now, before I say officially goodbye, you are you should be able to hear you will be able to hear this um wonderful interview if you just go to coffeechatwithcamille.com okay i have roughly now i think about over 100 guests that have been on my podcast i think i hit a year this month um and i have had fascinating interviews with everyone and I plan on continuing to do that. I have not made it to YouTube. <laughs> but, uh, again, working on it this first year was uh, very important, okay? And uh, just to keep it consistent and keep bringing you, my beautiful listeners, um, really great content and really great people, okay? And um, I love very, 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 very famous people. Um, I feel like every guest I've had is that as well, um, and but they're also really giving back. And for everyone who's in the public eye, I think it is extraordinarily important that in some way, shape, or form we give back, right? So anyway, I, Veterans Day, I think, is our next holiday, if I'm not mistaken, okay? Uh, November 11th, I believe, somewhere around there, all right? So we had a veteran on earlier this morning, and... Um, As I stated before, this will end this episode and our day at coffeechatwithcamille.com. Thank you for listening. Thank you so much, Rhonda, again. Rhonda Parker. Thank you all. Bye-bye.